Galatians. On Wednesday nights, we're studying through the Bible and we're in Psalms, and we'll do that this Wednesday as well. But on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Galatians. Started it a couple of weeks ago, and we're just moving through and seeing how this important book relates to us and our walks with the Lord. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, you remember that we talked about why the book of Galatians was written. Paul wrote it to a group of churches, and these churches he had planted by sharing the gospel with them. They got saved, but since then, some Judaizers, some legalists had come into these churches and was convincing the people that the gospel wasn't enough. The simple truth of receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ wasn't all there is to it. It's part one, and they had said, but there's more. There's more that you need to know. There are rules that you need to follow. And so becoming a Christian is fine, but you also need to follow the law. You also need to obey the rules. Paul was just furious that people would come in and create that kind of havoc in the church because the gospel is something that's very simple. The gospel is something that's the power of God. And yet, as we saw last week, the gospel is something that if you water it down, it's not the gospel anymore. The word gospel means good news. But if you add something to the good news, as he says, it's not good news anymore. You're creating something completely different. What's the gospel? The gospel is, as we saw there in the first few verses, that we can't do anything to save ourselves, but Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came and took our sins upon Himself. He died for us and He rose from the dead. And if we receive His sacrifice on our behalf, then we can be right with God independently of anything that we do or don't do. And Paul by, by preaching this gospel, he explains to them, life, contrary to what you might think, isn't about following rules. It's about coming into a relationship with God who did everything for you. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. In the Greek, tetelestai, or paid in full. He did everything that needs to be done in order for us to be in relationship with God. That's very good news for us because we can't in and of ourselves do anything to merit standing before God. And so that's the good news. And he, last week in our last study, he said, I would pronounce an anathema, a curse, on even if I tell you there's something more to it than the gospel, hey, let me be accursed. Even if an angel comes to you and says, there's a little something extra that I haven't told you yet. Let him be accursed. He says, if anyone adds to the gospel or takes away from the gospel, let them be accursed. Because the gospel isn't good news anymore if you have to partner with God. The gospel just can't be good news if you need to follow the rules. Because we are incapable of following the rules. Now, as we come to verse 11 and 12 that we will look at this morning, he develops this thinking some more, and he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, 
but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You get the picture that an awful lot of what Paul is saying in this beginning chapter is Christianity, the gospel, it is not a man-made religion. And he says up in the first verse, I'm an apostle, not from men, not through man. He goes on to say, I don't persuade men. I don't seek to please men. Again, the gospel, it has nothing to do with man. But I love this phrase in verse 11, it is not according to man. Not just that it's not from man, as he says, or wasn't taught by man or didn't come through men. But he said, beyond that, this is something that is not according to man. Well, what does that mean? It means that it's completely out of sync with everything that we are. It's radical. It's different. The truth of the gospel isn't what you would predict. Now, the problem with this world is it has a system in which it's functioning where everything is rather predictable. Man is easy. It's easy to see where he's going with everything. And all man-made religions have the same basic elements pretty much in common. You don't have to study every world religion in order to understand world religion because the truth is, and as, as Paul said, the gospel is to deliver you from this evil age. This evil age, it's the way that we have been since the fall, since the Garden of Eden. So if the gospel is something other than man-made religion and it's something really that's not even according to man, it doesn't even fit with man's mentality, Well, let's think for a minute about what man-made religion does look like because really, and some of you have tried different religions and you found you can touch all the bases and they all kind of look alike after a while. It's sort of like Italian food, you know? Yeah, there are a whole bunch of different versions, but really it's all the same. It's just kind of rearranged. That's kind of the way religions are. I guess the same could be said for Mexican food or anything else now that I think about it. Except for good old American food. You know, you can't beat that American taco and pizza and things like that. So if you're going to make up your own religion, if you're going to create one, what do you do? Well, for the most part, you start with God. You've got to have a God or gods. There are some religions that try to be religions without God, but they always end up with a God anyway. So you need some divine being that's somewhat separate from us, bigger and better than we are, someone to trust in and someone to serve. Now, we start designing our own gods, and it becomes clear, okay, how do I make God? What do I suppose that God is? Well, God is defined based on how he is like us, but more so. Generally, man will create God in man's image. The Bible teaches that God created man in his image. We return the favor by designing a religion, however we design it, where God looks a lot like us. He cares about the things we care about. He does what we would do if he had the power. He really likes us a lot as long as we do what we are supposed to do. See, the point of religion is not only just to get to God, But the point of religion is to fix what's wrong in this world. And whether you're a Christian or not, you understand this is an evil age. Things are happening in this world that are just disgusting, that are so disturbing. There's something wrong. 
And so most well-meaning people with designer religions decide that they need to make some way to fix that. How can I deliver people from this evil age? So they design a God that they're comfortable with and, and then they come up with a whole bunch of rules. In our religion, here's what we do. In our religion, here's what we don't do. Now, conveniently, the people who lead the religions, they usually, since they're in charge, usually God, one of the first things that their God does is tell everyone else to give them their money and to kind of respect them, hold them up in esteem, and to treat them very valued. It's one of the signs of a man-made religion. It just does that. Hey, I'm the leader, you're the followers. Now, get in line. It also means that the leader is usually exempt from some of the rules that everyone else has to do. Kind of like police officers don't have to drive the speed limit because if they get stopped, professional courtesy, flash the badge, hey, have a nice day, and that's it. In religion, it's kind of the same way. You usually see that there's compromise on the part of the leaders. Leaders becoming really wealthy even when their followers are really impoverished just kind of works that way. Man-made religion, that's what it is. The problem with man-made religion, although I believe that every religion that's ever been formed at one point or another started out sincerely wanting to make the world a better place. But there's a problem with religion, not only in terms of the leadership because power corrupts, but even more fundamentally than that, you can come up with a lot of great rules, but we can't follow the rules. One of the things you learn very early on in life is that I can't do even what I think I ought to do. Paul describes that in Romans 7, but if you've raised children, you know how that works. You initially have just a couple of rules, and as soon as you set a rule down, children will break that rule. School teachers, on day one, they've learned that you've got to establish the rules, and so they lay it out, and some teachers talk to the students and say, what rules do you think we ought to have? And oh man, the, the strictest rules imaginable are rules that kids make up. And if you ask them, what should be the consequence if someone talks in class? They should be beaten. They should be kicked out of class. Hang them, you know. It's, boy, we're great when it comes to rulemaking and, and designing those sorts of things. But the truth is, by the time the first day is over, the rules have all been broken. It's the way it works. The Old Testament law was not given as a rule book for life. It was given to demonstrate the point that we need help. And as a result, the children of Israel, though, when they heard the law, they go, yeah, these sound like good rules. But then, found out they couldn't keep the rules. The gospel, the good news says, you don't have to keep the rules. In order to get right with God, you don't have to do a lot of things. Now, you may say, oh, that sounds kind of radical. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to follow the rules. Well, think with me for a second. If you had to follow the rules, have you done it? <laughs> no, of course not. Unless you keep changing the rules so that whatever you do is okay and whatever everyone else does is wrong. Legalism would be okay if it worked. If it really made good people, it would be fine. But it never has worked and it never will work. And in a perfect world, it would work. But this world isn't perfect and neither are you. And some days I'm not even perfect. So 
So here we are. You make the rules, a designer religion. Every religion made that's according to man, it fails miserably. But in its place, God comes in and says, I have good news for you. What's that? And you go, I know what's coming. There's another rule. And he goes, no, the good news is you don't have to follow the rules. You don't have to obey. I have chosen to love you unconditionally, to accept you the way that you are. And there isn't anything that you can do, any rule you can follow that will cause me to love you more. And there isn't any sin you can commit that will cause me to love you less. I just love you. Just accept my love. That for us is great news because we are men and women who cannot follow the rules. Now, when I say that, you go, this sounds dangerous. It is. You go, that sounds radical. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that before. Tough. The Bible teaches it. That's what grace is. It's God's loving and accepting us unconditionally. As we talked last week, the Greek word for grace, charis, the closest English word to it is caress. It's to hold, it's to make secure, it's to accept. And that's the truth. Can you understand how that's good news when you've tried to do religion? And yet, as Christians so often, we take Christianity and we adjust it according to men. And that's why Paul said, look, I'm not going to try to impress anybody. I am not, this isn't stuff that's according to man. I'm just telling you the truth. And that for me and for you is amazingly liberating. The truth of the glorious, gracious gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what the book of Galatians is addressing. And again, radical? You bet. But nothing else works. Now, if I thought you could follow the rules, I'd give you rules and you could do them and you could be good people. But I know that you can't and God knows that you can't. And so we have to take the chance that the real truth of the gospel has power to transform a life like no set of rules ever has. And that's what we have to understand as believers in Jesus Christ. It's his gospel. It's his good news. Well, you ask the question, but... Man, if you just tell people all rules are off, won't it be anarchy? Won't it just be people doing whatever they want? Yeah, probably. Until you see Jesus. Until you understand what that grace can do in your life. Because once we truly accept grace, something happens not from without, but something happens from within. And God begins to work in our lives in the only way that lasting change will ever come about. And as we read and study through the rest of the book of Galatians, we will see what it is to walk in the Spirit, to have God transform us from within. And when that happens, that makes lasting change. The way I am designed, I want to break whatever rules are there. I have a bent toward sin, and even when I become a Christian, that doesn't go away. It's the reason I've shared before why all the foods that look good aren't good for you. We're just naturally twisted. We're naturally upside down. This world has corrupted us, and we need to be delivered from this world. If someone gives me a rule, I want to break it. If the speed limit is set at a certain amount, 
I want to know how far can I fudge past it? If the speed limit's 60, then you can pretty much go 65 without a risk, right? And if other cars are going 70 and you're going the same speed that they are, that's pretty much okay, isn't it? And, I, and, and then you go, well, there's nobody around, so therefore, and that's the way we work. That's the way we live. And that's why rules and laws won't make us good. We just have a natural bent against what's right. And when someone tells us not to do it, that's what we want to do. If you get a group of junior high kids and you put them in a huge field and there's a fence around the outside of the field and you say, okay, don't go past that fence. Here's what's going to happen. They're all going to be lined up on the fence. (laughs) And a few of them are going to go over the fence just to see what happens. And we're the same way. That's religion according to man. But grace says the fence is down. Now look at how much God loves you. Look at where you stand with him. Can you see him? And that transforms you so that you want to be close to him. Notice in verse 12, I didn't receive it from man, I wasn't taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, ultimately, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's seeing him that changes everything. It's looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. The way we came to him is by looking at him. And the way we continue to walk with him is by looking at him as well. To do less is to discard the gospel. See, we can't follow the rules, understand that. And so the truth is, because of what Jesus did, there are no rules. There are no standards by which we need to conform. Again, this sounds so radical, but the truth is that what God wants to do is take his standards. I'm not saying that there aren't good and bad things and that we shouldn't care about what God says about these things. But what sin is, is doing things that are bad for you doing things that will destroy you. There are some people who are suicidal. Some people want to die. That's really sad. Many of them taking their lives every day. But ever since the Garden of Eden, do you realize that we're all suicidal? That we all have a death wish in a way? You know, I don't know. I, I would do anything to live. Well, then why do we do things that are destroying us? That's really what sin is. It's God saying, Do you realize you're living like you have a death wish? You're making decisions every day that are destroying you? And he says, if you you walk close to me, I can navigate you through these waters. I can lead you to the point where you'll realize your life is more fulfilling. If you receive my love, if you understand my grace, I'll change your heart. I'll give you a new heart. I'll change your mind. Again, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable purpose. Renew your mind. Present yourself. Understand, if you don't change from within, all you're going to do is feel guilty about not following the rules, and you're still going to destroy yourself. What you and I need is to be changed from inside. And the way that happens is by seeing Jesus Christ. And when you see him, what are you going to see? 
You're going to see love and grace and mercy. You're going to see someone who loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he's not going to pull out a rule book and go, okay, there's a few things you need to clean up if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to hang out with me. You're going to see someone who just says, all I ever wanted to do was love you. I did it all. I paid the price. You're forgiven. Your sins, past, present, future, they're taken away. Why couldn't you accept my grace? Why did you have to say, let me help? I didn't need your help. I just wanted you to understand what I've done for you and that you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That word is, it's finished. I paid the price. I forgive your sins. I love you. And I want to hold you in my caress, in my grace. And that, it's not according to men. C.S. Lewis talked about this when he said, Christianity is so weird that it couldn't possibly not be true. Because he said, if people make up a religion, it looks very much like every other religion. It's very predictable. But he said, the story of the gospel is so weird that it had to come from another world. It had to come from supernatural origin. It's just too weird to be made up. Nobody would make that up. Nobody would start a religion that set you free. Every religion that's ever been started was to try to pin you in. So who could set you free? The one who took your sins upon himself. The one who loves you that much. And that's the gospel of grace. And it's so amazing. Grace is amazing because it's not according to man. And grace has the power that it has because it's different than everything else and it's a man, Jesus Christ. It's just seeing him and that changes everything. By telling you that you're free, I'm not telling you that you're good the way you are. You're not. You're as messed up as I am. But if I just tell you how bad you are and you need to change, you can't do it. But if you come to understand what he has done for you, there's hope because of grace, because of the gospel, the good news that says he took care of you and now he wants to work in you. And as long as you're on a legal trip, you're going to be pushing God away. When you understand grace, you'll want to be drawn close to him. And that's when the heart changes. And that's when these developments happen in your life to where now you're not according to men either. You're not following the natural laws of logic. You're not being like everyone else. You're not following the crowd. You've accepted the fact that being different is a good thing. This world functions in a more or less predictable way with cause and effect. You're going to pay the piper. What goes around comes around. And we get so used to that that we expect life to be the same way. Jesus talked about how life is and said, what you sow, that you're going to reap. And there is some truth to that. And that's the way it would be. And we would all reap hell if it wasn't for the fact that someone interrupted that order and by grace said, you don't have to pay for what you've done. You don't have to live as a victim of your own destruction. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. I read a quote a while back, and then I saw it again this week, and it fits so well. I'm going to read it to you. It was 
Actually, Bono, the lead singer for the Irish rock band U2, was being interviewed, and somebody said to me for a service, well, I didn't think you'd ever quote Bono. You know, he went on stage with beer and, and used a foul word on TV, and it's like, it kind of proves my point, doesn't it? Is that how we define Christianity? Well, he's talking about the difference between karma and grace. I I think it's an interesting discussion. And he said, it's a mind-blowing concept that the God who created the universe might be looking for company, a real relationship with people. But the thing that keeps me on my knees is the difference between grace and karma. Karma says what you put out comes back to you, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth or in physics, in physical laws. Every action is met by an equal or an opposite one. It's clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet, along comes this idea called grace to upend all that as you sow, so will you reap stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions which in my case is very good news indeed because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. It doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know who I am and I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. That's a great explanation of the difference between God's grace and religion that's according to man. And this is what we see when we see Jesus. Like Bono, I'm holding out for grace because it's my only hope. If it's not true that Jesus really did take all my sins on himself and that he can interrupt the cycle, the endless cycle of karma, then I'm sunk because I've done enough bad that I could never make up for it with good. So I'm holding out And I'm betting my life and my eternity on grace, on the fact that this really is true. There really is good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, how thankful we are for the gospel of grace. It's hard for us to grasp because we're men and women. And we think according to the ways that we've been taught, the ways we see this world functioning. But God, how thankful we are that you've explained to us that you stepped in and interrupted that cycle with a free gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're banking on that being the truth. And we know it is. We thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. Your grace It's amazing. It's so good that you did it all. Lord, help us to never miss that message, to never grow past it, to never fall short of it, but to remember that ultimately it's just about looking at your son, seeing him, and accepting his righteousness in exchange for our failure and sin. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.